Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2019 Strip Till Farmer podcast series. In today's program, we share excerpts from my conversation with Gene Koontz, site manager at Farm America, who discusses objectives and results from the Waseca, Minnesota Research Farm's recent strip till trials. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll make every effort to get it added. And a reminder that by subscribing, that will allow you to get alerts when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy Matters and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, strip-till experimentation often starts small, and Gene Koontz, site manager at Farm America, is looking to build a baseline of learning on the research farm's 240-acre site in Waseca, Minnesota. Here, he's been involved in several strip-till trials. In 2018, they planted 15 acres of corn as part of the research plots, and this will be strip-tilled for the next five years in a corn and soybean rotation. As Kuntz says, the goal of the experiments is to look and learn and find improvements utilizing strip-till practices continuously to improve soil health and reduce operational costs. I had the opportunity to visit the Farm America site in fall 2018, and in today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, we share excerpts from a more recent conversation with Gene, who shares some of the details on the research farm's strip-till trials including seeding strategies, cover cropping, and early returns. Gene, really appreciate you taking a few minutes here with us today. And I uh, wanted to, to talk a little bit about some of the interesting things you guys are doing at, uh, at Farm America, uh, particularly on the strip-till side. So and maybe just to get a little bit of background, love to have you uh, share a little bit about your background, uh, what, what your experience has been, and uh, also a little bit about the, the test site that you guys have there. Well, I'm a, I'm a retired farm business management instructor, and I've been working with Farm America for almost two years now. And prior to that, I spent some time with the Cannon River Watershed Partnership, two-and-a-half, almost three-year effort on try, trying to get adoption of cover crops in southern Minnesota. And so um, it's, when I uh, then came to Farm America, it just seemed natural that we continue that because the the focus of, of Farm America, we are the Minnesota's Agricultural Interpretive Center, is not only talk about the past in agriculture, but really what, what's going on in the present. And, and we, we think we have a wonderful opportunity to have Wasika present some things that um, aren't being rapidly adopted and that all move towards good soil health. And that's kind of my goal is is to improve our soil health. So that's why we've um, decided to take 15 acres and practice some soil health initiatives and make some of that information available for demonstration to the area farmers so that they get a better feeling for 
how some of these things just might work in their operations. So with uh, the experimentation that you're starting, uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, what is the, the scope of, of what you're doing uh, with your strip-till trials. Well, we've actually we've taken 15 acres uh, dedicated to five years to demonstrating the effectiveness really of using interseeding and cover crops along with a reduced tillage practice like strip till. And so what we've done is, is we've broken the field up into, um, into halves, and one half will never have a, have, a, have a cover crop put on it, ever. And the other half will always have a cover crop interseeded in the corn. And each of the halves, with or without a cover crop, will be a 50-50 corn-soybean rotation. So we're going to have you know, two strips of corn, two strips of beans. And this coming year will be our second year of that. Uh, but one of the first things I did was that, you know, we really need to look at the effectiveness of strip-till because it goes hand-in-hand with interseeding cover crops. Mm-hmm. I've seen that over and over and over again over my uh, work with soil health. Reducing tillage and permitting cover crops improves soil health, and that's what we're looking for. So, uh, and then basically we're, we'll be monitoring each year and have with the Haney soils test to see really what effectiveness we've had over a period of five years. The varieties have been kept the same on corn and beans on both sides, and uh, the only the only thing that changes uh, is interceding the cover crop in standing corn at V5 to V7 in late to early June in the standing corn. So, And you guys are running a 12-row machine, correct, for, uh, for strip Right, building. we're running a 12-row soil warrior, and um, the gentleman who does our, our custom work, when he was planning in the strips that were established in the fall of 2017, he was amazed. It was later. It, we had we had a, a late spring last year. It was uh, May twentieth, but he was simply amazed at one the lack of weeds and the soil till planter seed soil contact that he was receiving. In fact, he was so impressed that that he had uh, a little over 140 acres done last fall in strip till on his operation, hmm. and he operates several thousand acres. Well, you mentioned, obviously, kind of trying to evaluate the benefits here and, and get some comparative results here. Um, obviously, one of those elements, and, and, you know, what we hear a lot about with strip-till is, uh, you know, reducing that cost of production. I know one of the things that you guys are looking at, obviously, is, you know, reducing machinery wear and tear, but also the cost of, of running the machine, you know, in the field, you know, whether that's, you know, horsepower and, and trying to, obviously, look for efficiencies there, both with, you know, machine time, machine uptime, but also, obviously, you know, looking at kind of the nutrient side as well. Yeah, no, we, uh, one of the advantages I saw early on as a farm business management instructor with ridge till, strip till was the machinery cost per acre in our database in Minnesota with uh, farm business management. It's quite obvious that if you, you pull up a trend of the last five years of operations in southern Minnesota using strip till versus conventional tillage, they're enjoying a 20 to 30% reduction in machinery cost breaker. And mm-hmm. machinery cost breaker is calculated based on depreciation, fuel, intermediate interest, and repairs. So to me, if you can reduce your cost by $20 an acre to $30 an acre, keeping it under $100, if you know what your machinery cost breaker are, to me that's a big advantage. And it, like you said, it's just, I mean, that's the only tillage we do there. Yeah, and it gets tricky with with post-emergent herbicides and pre-emergent herbicides. 
it is the only way that I've seen effective evidence over a period of years that we're really improving soil health by going to a reduced tillage system. And we've got difficult soils to work with. We've got heavy clay loam with, you know, if you don't get at these soils at the right time, if you work them wet, you've got problems. And studies have shown in the past, too, that if that, that strip tillage in the strips, those oil soils warm up quicker, and they stay cooler during the summer, especially if you've got a cover crop in there with the residue. So, you know, I'm um, I'm looking forward to um, working more of it. In fact, we have another just about 100 acres that uh, Chris Valley Cooperative manages uh, and does a lot of demonstration work uh, with fertility and herbicides and seed varieties. We've we've dedicated 35 acres on that site to always be strip tilled, and they're going to evaluate that against some conventional tillage methods and see mm. what uh, see what goes on there. And you know, I yeah, and fertility is a little trickier too because you know you're going to have to rely on on dry and liquid fertilizer sources. Uh, and hydrus is gone, and I I don't mind that. Mm. You know, it's just we we found the effectiveness of of time release urea working very well and of course split applications of UAN during the growing season is an effective way to get utilize your nitrogen We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor Topcon Agriculture for making this podcast series possible. And I also wanted to remind you about a new series featured monthly on our podcast Tech Tips with Dr. Ray Acevedo where the former assistant professor of precision agriculture at Kansas State University and agronomic consultant for Topcon Agriculture shares insights and advice on some of the latest precision tools and how to best implement them on your operation. You can listen to past technology tips and also find accompanying articles at striptillfarmer.com. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from our conversation with Gene Koontz who discusses an improvised approach to getting cover crops interseeded. Well, Gene, I know you, you have had some success and, and have also tracked um, uh, the ratio of uh, applied end uh, in relation to uh, yield. And, and maybe you could talk a little bit about what you guys have seen on that front. Well, we just we kind of stick with, and I'm a firm believer in that, with the University of Minnesota recommendations on, uh, which made more about cost-effective measure based on on price of corn. But in reality, you need about a pound a N for a bushel of corn. And, you know, we've got high organic matter soils. Soils are around to 4% organic matter, so you've got 40 pounds in there. If you've got corn falling beans, there's another bushel per acre. So we had, you know, 60 bushel beans last year. That's 60. We already got 110 pounds in. 100, no, 100 pounds in right there. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's an additional 100 pounds to 90 pounds to put on, and uh, I'm looking forward to looking at Central uh, Crystal Valley's research. They did kind of the similar thing with their fertility rates, bringing in up and up and up to where is the economical uh, level. And I, I haven't had my ch- chance to look at that information yet, but uh, you know, we we fared well. We had 180 bushel of corn out there, and you know. That was a little bit above the area average, and we had 60 bushel beans, which was above the area average. Mm. 
When in you mentioned uh, this earlier, but uh, obviously cover cropping and integrating a, a program with strip till is something that uh, I, I'm hearing a lot more about, a lot more interest, uh, particularly with with our conference and, and a lot of the farmers I talk to. Um, you know, figuring out uh, whether it's an entry point or just you know the right mixes and, and seeding methods. But um, it, what are some of the things that you guys have tried? You can maybe walk me through your your program, what you guys have tried to experiment with so far on that front. Well, we were using um, it's it's this far north. It's just darn tricky to get cereal ryegrass established in the fall immediately following harvest of beans. I mean, if if you can consistently get in there, and no later than uh, September twentieth, you're going to have a pretty good stand established of cereal rye for the next year <clears throat> for corn to go in that you can burn down and plant corn right in there. And you get you get past that October 1st date, it's, it's just hit and miss. We found that folks who are putting cereal rye down on freshly cut corn size ground works excellent. And then they can follow up the next year with, with a crop of soybeans planted in a burned-off mat of cereal rye that's grown. So if you can't do that, probably the best way to get it done is, is going in with a three- or four-way mix, interceding between the rows at five to seven leaf stage in standing corn. You can't be using cereal rye. We found that out. Use mm-hmm. annual ryegrass, uh, some bursting clover, uh, radish, and turnip. The only problem is that will establish, and, you know, you run about 15 pounds an acre if you if you have a direct seeding machine that go in there. It will establish itself, and then by fall, when the early September, when leaves start receding and the canopy starts receding, then we're starting to feed this plant sunlight. But I've never been happy with seeing the kind of, especially with the turnips and radishes, the kind of growth that we've seen in an open spot in the headlands, for instance. So I saw a piece in the furrow a year ago about folks who were trying uh, 60-inch cornrows, and they were interceding in that 60-inch path. So I tried it. I had uh, four acres of our corn that was that we interceded the cover crop in, that was all 60-inch rows. And the corn next door to it that was not receiving a cover crop was 30-inch rows. I gave up on three weighings. I gave up not even two bushels an acre by doing that. But what I received in benefit from that was annual ryegrass by the, by the, end, of the, by the end of the summer was 12 to 14 inches tall. I had 8 to 9-inch tall turnips and radishes. And that wouldn't have occurred if I had a 30-inch wide canopy. With that 60-inch wide canopy, it was outstanding. I, I was happy with that. Nice green mat, and beans will go into that mat this coming spring. So that's kind of the system I think we're going to adopt. Unless we get a really early fall and we can get in there post-soybean harvest and get some cereal rye put in that fall. When and I know uh, it sounded like you guys had to uh, uh, improvise a little bit uh, with oh, with interceding yeah. uh, <laughs> last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh well, I, I did something I thought I'd never do, but anyway, <laughs> we had a uh, an eight row seeder uh, that our neighboring county uh, soil conservation service has available that they purchased two years ago, and I had it rented, and then it started raining, and then it started raining. <laughs> And then it never quit raining. And my our fields down there, they weren't fit until, you know, 6th, 5th of July. Well, corn was already 
already 60 inches tall. I mean, it was five feet tall corn. So I went to our local golf course. I knew we had an old Scott's cedar that was 40 inches wide, a direct grass cedar. Bought that for $20, pulled it home, made some hitch changes on it, and uh, expanded the top a little bit and put a, a small hero behind it. And I pulled that through the field with a 22-horsepower uh, garden tractor. Uh, it took me half a day. But I got precisely 15 pounds an acre on, and I had a great stand. And so we got it accomplished. But it's certainly nothing that I would <laughs> recommend anyone else try because of its scale size. But anyway, it worked. We got done what we needed to get accomplished. So uh, next year, we hope, whether, this coming season, we hope the, the weather works out for us and we can get in there with that machine and direct seed in those 60-inch rows. Yeah, and then, I mean, yeah, sometimes you have to make the best of it, so that's uh, that's pretty resourceful uh, on the fly there. And, and yeah, fortunately, I mean, that, that sounds like it turned out turned out well, and, and I know uh, for the effort and, and the time, I'm sure that was, uh, <laughs> was pretty pretty gratifying uh, to see that pay off. So uh, looking forward a little bit with uh, what you guys, uh, you know, would like to see try to accomplish here in the next few years. I know you mentioned this is going to be a five-year uh, run here with, with some of the uh, experimentation you're doing, but what are you, what are you looking for? Uh, in the next couple of years as far as uh, what you're either going to try or, or maybe uh, hoping to see out of the experiments? The end goal is to, is to take a look at the soil health change over five years by utilizing a cover crop and reduced tillage, i.e. strip till. We have the, the Haney soil test, which we're monitoring yearly on that, so we have some good imperial coal evidence to show what really occurred there. I, I want to be able to and one of the reasons we're going with cover crops is I've, I've seen it help in terms of reducing uh, issues with the weed species that escaped Roundup. Um, water hemp, pigweed, hmm. lamb's quarter, giant ragweed. That does work helping suppress those weeds in their in their early growth. And that that's that's an issue in this field. We have we have a lot of water hemp, we have a lot of pigweed, and we have a lot of ragweed. Grasses aren't an issue. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with with a herbicide program, and and, and now we're we're going to try Liberty this coming year to see how that works in terms of controlling some of those weed species. But um, you know, to me, uh, one of the the big goal there is 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 trying some of these things that uh, will be able to demonstrate to others, area farmers, that these things can be done, and and they can be effective in, in changing our soil health and move ourselves along. Well, thank you, Gene, for taking time to chat with us and share some strip-till work you and your team are working on at Farm America. And again, we'd like to thank and recognize our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
And don't forget you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us for the next episode in our 2019 podcast series. And a reminder that you can still register to receive our Strip-Till Farmer print publication at striptillfarmer.com. For Gene Coots, Farm America, TopCon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. <laughs>